0: You're listening to the Money Web Now podcast series with Simon Brown. Live streamed every weekday at 6.30am. It's
1: Monday, 21 November. Absa closed just off all-time highs on Friday. I'm Simon Brown coming at you live and loud. From the MoneyWeb studios in Houghton, Johannesburg. On the show today, we're going to be chatting with Chantal Marks. We're going to touch on those Richmond results. First half results, good numbers. Keith McLachlan, inventories. We've seen lots of increases in inventory stock across industries and, and markets, uh, good or bad. And then chatting with uh, Marco Zahariv. As a, as a He's the founder of uh, Luxity. I want to get trends in high-end online retail. We chatted some sort of mid-line retail. I want to see how the high-end is going. The show is brought to you by... Stanlip, visit Stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlip Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. Morning headlines from Business Day. Old Mutual sees Rand at 1520 by end of 2023. And their chief economist says actually it could trade stronger in the interim. From CNBC, Bob Iger returns as Disney CEO effective immediately. I think this is his third return to the hot seat. They basically fired the other Bob over the weekend. It didn't like what he was doing. Morning markets, U.S. uh, was green. S&P up half a percent. The Nasdaq, what was up less than a point, but it was green. Asia's mixed with Sydney, down 0.2. And Tokyo, uh, up 0.1 percent. Commodities, uh, all red. Gold 1,763. Brent 8849. Platinum uh, 9, 978. Palladium, thousand nine hundred and eighteen. Rand seventeen thirty-one. Bitcoin fifteen thousand nine hundred ten cent off. Two-thirds of a percent in the Hong Kong lunch break. And top forty opening call, hundred points to the red, that's 0.15% down.
0: MoneyWeb now. On the money also available on podcast.
1: Training now with Chantal Marks. Uh, she is, of course, Head of Investment Research at f and Wealth and Investments. Chantal, as always, appreciate the early morning time. Richmond results, it's almost a low-key affair. They kind of slip it onto the JSE. There's very little uh, interviews or anything being done. But, yo, a, a really good set of numbers. And they're sitting on almost 5 billion euros of, 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 of net cash. They, they're not finding any trouble selling luxury.
2: No, but I think luxury generally isn't finding any trouble selling itself given the the advent of social media. Um, I think that when you when you start looking at social media and you start your scrolling and eventually becomes doom scrolling, <laughs> um, you 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 come across a lot of uh, influencers, for mm. example, and these influencers start off by um, kind of you know promoting a way to buy the best top for fifty rand. And as they gain traction, eventually they start getting sponsorships. And before you know it, they're ripping out the Cartier and actually promoting that on, on Instagram. So it's a, it's a situation where um, we've actually, instead of um, stuff like branded jewelry uh, being more like a, you know, a wealthy guy um, or wealthy people on a yacht, mm. kind of exclusive stuff, it's become so um, democratized and everyone wants a piece of it now. And uh, Richmond is benefiting from that, particularly in the jewelry space.
1: They, they do have. I mean, they have. They have. They have all the brands. They, they 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 do struggle a bit online, although they've got that very sort of complex deal that they're going to be doing with YNAB to try and, and 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 fix that. If if we look at it, I mean, is this, this is a stock which you which you crunch and look at valuations, or is it a stock where you say, you know, what luxury is always going to be around and luxurious, and folks are going to want it.
2: Well, I mean, for us it's a core portfolio holding. It's mm-hmm. something we always have in the portfolio. Um when the stock becomes expensive, which it invariably does um after it it prints results mm-hmm. like this, which happens um in, in very Rapid succession and in, uh, in cycles, um, we would throw a bit of exposure, then we 'd add a bit of exposure when the stock becomes cheap, which it did right before it, it released uh, the yeah. results um, because it does make a really, it does tend to make a really nice comeback. it is super defensive, so when the whole world is talking about recessions. Um, people with money are still buying, um, Cartier and Frank and Apples and expensive watches. And, um, for, for that reason, it's just something that you can hold and hold and hold. Obviously, you want to be, you want to be aware of valuation when you make that initial investment. Um, but it is something that you can comfortably put in your portfolio and, and I guess never look at it again or only look at it a few times, um, a year.
1: Yeah, this was my big pandemic mistake trade. I looked at the pandemic. I thought, ain't no one buying online watches. And I did the silliest thing ever. I sold my Richmonds, Still regretting it. Chantal Marks, head of investment and research at f Wealth and Investments. Appreciate the early morning. And that's our question. Chantal Marks there saying, yeah, actually, uh, this is a, a stock you kind of keep in your portfolio. Uh, and the question is, is it the stock in your portfolio? Perhaps you prefer some of the others. Offshore, there are. Perhaps you don't like luxury. But luxury has proven itself again and again to be pretty much resistant. To anything. Have your vote, have your say, LinkedIn and Twitter.
3: Hear that? Nothing. Your money can do more when it blocks out the noise, as hard as it is these days. When you invest in the StanLib Balanced Cautious Fund, we manage the risks so that you can see stable inflation beating returns through market cycles. Invest with more certainty at StanLib.com forward slash more. StanLib is an authorized financial services provider and a registered manager.
0: MoneyWeb now on the money chatting
1: now with uh, Keith McClaskey, You find him at Integral Asset Management. Uh, Keith, appreciate the early morning time. One of the trends we've seen this year, kind of in response, in large part, I imagine, to, to supply chain challenges have been build-up of inventories across industries, sectors, companies, local, global. M- my first thought of it was, actually, in a high-inflation environment, this isn't necessarily bad, because you're buying it today to sell it maybe in, in three or six months, you get a slightly uh, better price. But, of course, much like with Any sort of hedge, in a sense, that's nice, but fairly short-term in nature.
2: Morning,
0: Simon. Um, Perhaps let's paint the full picture, because it's been quite a complicated, uh, let's call it two and a half going on, three years, where at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, retailers, uh, and remember, a supply chain is a complex series of push and pull variables from a mine and a factory all the way to a retailer selling to an end consumer, um, and at the beginning of the pandemic, the retailers panicked uh, globally, discounted everything and liquidated stocks because they thought they're going to be fighting for bankruptcy. Mm. Um, but then what happened is the biggest consumer economy in the world, being America, sent money into everyone's uh, bank accounts and consumers turned around and went to shops that were empty because everything had been sold. Uh, the retailers obviously then uh, looked into their supply chains and tried to restock but at this period the supply chains globally were quite messed up Um, and you had container container ships being rerouted delays happening things being uh, stuck in ports and lockdown, and you had uh, these huge disruptions that led to about uh you know 12 to 18 months of just struggling to restock stores so the only actual solution uh in the short term at least to messed up supply chains for retailers and and everyone along the retail chain we've got wholesalers and all the way down to factories was to buy more you cannot sell what is uh, what's not on hand so they went out they ordered double, triple, uh, and all of that arrived. But all of that is sitting now. And what we've seen this year, Walmart, Costco, Target, even Nike, higher up upstream, is guys are reporting huge inventory balances. And they're reporting these huge inventory balances um, just at a period where the U.S. yield curve is heavily inverted. Uh, Consumers are under pressure. You know, we'll look at Europe and UK, where where uh, the percentage of your income that's paying gas bills is is rising exponentially, um, and we are entering what looks to be arguably a recessionary environment globally. Um, overstocked. Uh, now, some of that overstocking, as you said, is paying for a product at higher prices because the commodity prices, the input prices, are run. Mm-hmm. Um, now, now some of those have rolled over other than the energy spaces most commodities uh, that go into products uh are lower than they were let's call it six months to 12 months ago when when all of this was being made and ordered and flowing flowing across so you've locked in higher higher prices um but you're also entering a period with lower demand um but certainly some of this is there is more volume sitting in warehouses, more volume sitting in uh, sitting in shops, uh, and depending on who you are, some of this is going to have to be discounted to move which 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 convolutes the inflation argument as well, and that's really where we're sitting today. We're entering. Very strange period.
1: So, so uh, I take your point, and there's two things. I mean, they, they've got all this inventory it's sitting on shops, it's sitting in warehouses. Um, and they're doing this in, a, in an environment where the consumer is under pressure. I mean, as you say just everything is is pushing on the, back on the consumer. They're going to have to do some level of discounting, and that's going to hurt margins because this is going to be at, at at lower margin. And it it's frankly, it's going to it's going to make I don't want to say ruinous results, but it's certainly going to make results that are going to be deeply unattractive and from a lot of the And we sold from Target earlier this year, Um, although Walmart seems to have solved the problem, Target certainly has not.
0: Well, it does depend what your mix is. Mm -hmm. Um, Some inventory is durable and some is perishable. Um, And I would classify fashion as perishable. Let me me give you an example Mm -hmm. of two uh, slightly higher upstream uh, retailers. So in the clothing apparel space, you've got Naki and you've got Levi Strauss. Mm Uh, Both of them, if you have a look at their last quarter's set of results, inventory was up 40 to 44%, which is a significant (laughs) jump. Uh, But Nike is panicking and discounting because a large proportion of their inventory is fashion. Let's call it at leisure, but it's effectively fashion tied in and seasonal. Mm. Whereas Levi Strauss, if you listen to their results, went to at length talking about that they've stocked up non-seasonal, non-fashion related uh so the 501s and things like that that season in season out Year and year out is levi strauss and people will keep buying um yeah. so, so it's it's also not across the board who's going to be impacted and how one is impacted i mean a, a another example is you have a look at sprouts farmers market that predominantly stocks only perishables you know we're talking groceries here that's hard to overstock um not yeah. to stay on the
1: shelf that long. Now take your point. Uh, whereas, you're, you're stocking for the, you're stocking for the weekend rather, and I like your point with Levi's. Five hundred one has been the same for a hundred years. A quick last question. There's another implication here because of all this stocking up, manufacturers were getting orders coming rushing, and whether it was you know whatever it might have been that, that 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 you were particularly manufacturing, but that's brought a massive pull forward, and now the manufacturers are going to see less orders because of the the high uh,
0: stock levels, and 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 that's going to f- trickle through to them too. Definitely, we can see this in the shipping rates. Shipping rates have collapsed yeah. 85, 90%. Um, no one is shipping if no one is ordering. Uh, so w- once again, a supply chain is a, a series of complex push and pulls all the way from factory and a mine, holding the original product, all the way to uh, a retailer and consumer buying it. And at this point, y- yeah, there, there's a lot of distortions in it. Absolutely, one at factories and one at uh, one one with the shipping companies.
1: Yeah, I hadn't even thought of, of course the shipping rates absolutely collapsed. We're going to feel it all over the place. Keith McClachlan, uh, Intergo Asset Management. Always appreciate the early morning insight.
3: There's no postponing the inevitable. Your money knew this day would come, and you know what? It can hardly wait to start giving some back to you. When you invest in Stanlib's fixed income funds, you can retire earning a regular income off your investments. Invest for more certainty. At Stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib is an authorised financial services provider and a registered manager.
0: Moneyweb now on the money.
1: Chatting now with Michael zahari He is co-founder of Luxity. Michael, appreciate the the early morning once again. I suppose first question. I mean, we we saw Richmond results out on Friday, uh, and they show quite clearly that that luxury. I don't want to say it's immune to tough times, but it certainly survives it. Your experience, I mean, do do people continue to buy uh, luxury during during tougher times? Perhaps in the pre-owned space, it actually booms because they're not buying a new Cartier; they're going to go and buy a, a second-hand one, maybe.
4: Um, hi, and Nice to be on the show again, and thanks for having me. And yes, of course, we've actually seen luxury uh, persist through the through the difficult times, I mean during COVID, there was a huge boom in luxury retail. Many attributed it to the you know shift from experiential spending into uh, good spending, luxury good spending. But what we've actually seen is this persists as COVID restrictions have lifted, and now as the talk of. Uh, you know, the, I mean, sorry, the inflation, mm-hmm. everything comes about, you know, the economy is slowing down. We're still seeing this trend persist. So, if, week on week, we're seeing articles come up in Forbes with all the major platforms saying, why is predicting why is this trend uh, persisting and trying to figure it out? It's very difficult. But I think that the reality is that tough times make, you know, the wealthy stay wealthy and even sometimes solidify that wealth. And therefore, they're able to continue spending on these luxury goods.
1: Yeah, okay. No, it, it makes sense, and we absolutely saw that in the in, in the Richmond uh, uh, numbers. The, the big ticket items. I mean, the, 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 your your website's got everything from from smaller ticket to to, to very large ticket items. Do, do people click on the buy button for a big ticket item, or do they kind of browse the website and then maybe come in store or or drop an email or something, or or are they doing a, the, the whole process start to finish uh, online?
4: Well, I think there's different uh, use cases what people are using online goods. Uh, you know, physical for. Mm. What we really saw is originally, you know, malls, uh, they they were created for convenience, all the stores in one place. Mm. And when online came about, it was literally all the stores in one place. So uh, there was a huge shift to online from a convenience point of view. And what stores have started to realize is in order to, you know, retain the customer, create new customers, we need to create experiences in-store. So this in-store experience has really become about like, you know, building your brand, allowing that customer to come in and have a coffee or a champagne, really build trust of your brand. And then online, the customer will buy just from a convenience point of view. So I think it's not really specifically about the item, it's about the state of where the customer is. So if we look at some of the numbers, I mean, just our numbers show that during the pandemic, People were spending 70, our sales were 75% online and 25% in store. Now, as that has lifted this year, we're looking at about 45% in store and 55% online. So we're definitely wow. seeing a return to the malls uh, as, as the restrictions have lifted and as, as people begin to resume their regular habits.
1: Yeah, because you've got the online, you've got the stores as well. How many stores do you, do you have now?
4: Uh, we have four stores, one in each province, uh, and we're opening our flagship store in Cape Town in the
1: Vienna and Front in 1 December. Okay, 1 December, a flagship store coming there. A, 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 a Last question. I mean, the, 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 do, do the trends change, or is it broadly, you know, I mentioned Cartier because with respect, it's one of the few luxury brands I, I truly know. I mean, do you see strong shifts between different brands, or are there perennial brands who are always just in demand?
4: Um, I think in South Africa, we've mostly seen... The uh, certain brands hold their value. So, you know, from the luxury goods items, it's uh, Louis Vuitton and Gucci are always the number one and number two. And it's also reflected in store sizes if you look at the presence in South Africa. Mm. So, for the most part, we see um, the same players uh, remain in the top spots, but in the middle tier, there's definitely some shifts in sentiment year on year.
1: Well, leave with Michael Zahariv. Uh, He is co-founder of Luxity Talking Luxury. Michael, always appreciate the early morning. That's it for today. We were chatting with Corbus uh, uh, Gutenberg on uh, Friday. He's the CEO of Premier Group. They're going to be listing on 8 December. Uh, that's what, it's still a couple of weeks away. Um, there's still some T's and C's, but there'll be uh, uh, prospectors coming out on the JC this morning. We asked if you'll be applying for the IPO. Uh, little under half of you said, no, it's it's a tough industry. Uh, and, and it certainly is now. It's a tough industry. It's a low-margin industry, although it's an essential industry, I suppose, as well particularly foodstuffs. Uh, Some 40% of you said, yep, you're keen, but it's going to depend on those valuations. Remember Alex Dace on Friday saying, yeah, private equity don't sell stuff cheap. Uh, The rest of you, about 15% said, yeah, you're going to be buying. It is a great company. Uh, Have your vote. Have your say, Twitter and LinkedIn. This show is brought to you by Stanlib, Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. We're live every weekday morning on the MoneyWeb website and the app 6.30 a.m. podcast just after 7. Thanks to my team, Eddie, Nebochle, Nicole, to you for listening, my guests for their early morning. My name is Simon Brown. This is MoneyWeb Now. Watch chat again tomorrow. We've got Astros. <laughs>
0: You've been listening to another MoneyWeb Now podcast, posted every weekday at 7 a.m. on moneyweb.co.za. MoneyWeb Now, on the money.